Greetings, friends and colleagues. Welcome to the Thoughtful Teacher Podcast, the professional educator's thought partner, a service of OnCourse Education Solutions. I am Scott Lee. In the last episode of the Thoughtful Teacher Podcast, Jill Spearing and I discussed the cost of retaining students and how often retention is not the best option for most students. I want to come back to this issue of retention because many U.S. states have implemented some sort of third grade retention system based on literacy mastery, according to a standardized state test. With pending legislation, it is likely that nearly half of all states either currently have or soon will have some sort of third grade retention system in place. While there may be differences depending on the state, generally this is the way the program operates. At the end of the third grade year, students who do not score at a proficient level on the state-mandated test will be retained and repeat the third grade. Some states will allow promotion to the fourth grade for students who attend a summer program. Some exempt students with disabilities and or students who are not primarily English speakers. And there are other states that encourage retention for students who do not meet benchmarks but may not require it. Side note, if there's an education leadership graduate student listening who would like an interesting paper topic, compare a map of states with legislation requiring third-grade retention based on reading test scores to another map of per-pupil state education spending. I'll place a couple of links in the episode notes. Back to the problem at hand. First, let me say that I'm not going to make a blanket argument that grade retention is never acceptable. I do, however, strongly believe that it should be a very limited practice. Nor am I saying that state testing is a bad thing. State testing can provide a great deal of information if policymakers and elected officials would use the data correctly. Let's start by looking at one way state-mandated testing can be misused. Even if a state accurately measures third-grade literacy, The way the test is administered puts many students at a disadvantage simply because the state test is only offered once a year. This provides older students an advantage. Even though all the third grade students should be about the same age, between 8 and 9 years old, because they were 8 years old when they started the third grade, there will still be an age range of almost 12 months between students taking the test that will determine retention. Malcolm Gladwell referred to this as the Matthew effect. For a more in-depth discussion of this issue, namely the problem of relative age, researched by the Canadian psychology Roger Barnsley, check out Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Outliers. For our discussion today, it comes down to this. As teachers know, a teacher cannot take all the credit for how well or how poorly any student reads, the work of teachers is important, but students who score well on standardized tests also tend to come from households that are stable and literacy rich. To illustrate this, let's do a short thought experiment. We'll compare the test scores of two students from literacy rich environments. 
because even in this case, there will be an enormous opportunity for discrepancy based solely on the age of a student. Student 1 had a birthday a few days after the grade cutoff date and is already 9 years old at the time the student takes the state test. Student 2 is still 8 and will not turn 9 until late in the summer. The older student is 50 weeks older than the younger student. If each student spends about 30 minutes a day, 5 days a week reading, and has five 30-minute interactive conversations with adults each week, that works out to about five hours of literacy practice outside of school every week. Student one has an extra 250 hours of literacy-rich experience over student two. During their school careers, student one, simply by being older, received the equivalent of an extra year and a third of literacy intervention simply by being 50 weeks older than student two. This gives student one a huge advantage. Of course, the reality is both of these students are likely to be proficient on the state exam because they both come from literacy-rich households, giving each an advantage over students who live in a household that is chaotic, food insecure, or shelter insecure. But it points out to one of the great problems that the way state exams tend to be administered, especially tests that are the basis for such important decisions. In addition to other validity questions, students who are older have an advantage over younger students simply because of their age. There's a reason why school psychologists use a student's age in years and months, not just age in years, when they conduct an individualized assessment. My question is this, is grade retention really the best option? Many listeners are aware of various studies from the 1990s that showed very serious problems with grade retention. The most common concerns were that studies found retained students had a significantly increased chance of leaving school before earning a diploma and that there was little or no academic gain for retained students anyway. While more current research indicates that the situation regarding retention may not be as bad as was reported in these earlier studies, I still wonder why retention remains the go-to option for policymakers. By the way, in the episode notes, I have several links to studies as examples. There simply is no need for blanket grade retention at all. Here's the real problem. Defenders of the third grade retention policies point to several new studies that show at least mixed results for grade retention, particularly third grade grade retention. Because Florida implemented such a policy several years ago, there is long-term data to assess the policy. Some studies indicate some positive gains for students retained in the third grade, although there are other studies that indicate some problems as well. So back to my question, 
why is full grade retention the go-to choice for elected officials? I mean, here we are with a policy that in many states has been placed in state statutes, and defenders are saying, well, it's not as bad as most people think. And that's the best they can come up with. Let's face it, retention is not the only choice for a student who is not meeting a standard. There are many other options and interventions that can be implemented and implemented effectively both before and after the third grade. And by the way, most of these would cost less, or at least the same, as retaining thousands of students. Let's take a look at the costs. While every state is different, in some states there are estimates that 20% or more third graders could be retained. In Ohio, there has been a third grade retention policy in place for almost a decade. Nearly 39,000 students have been retained in the third grade since 2014. Tennessee recently moved to implement its third grade retention law. It had been on hold because of the COVID-19 pandemic. There are estimates that 16,000 third graders could be retained next year, although it is unclear how many actually would be because students can attend a summer program to avoid retention. A simpler solution that would not cost any more than retaining students would be to hire more elementary literacy teachers. Ohio spends about $13,500 per student, and Tennessee spends almost $10,000 per student. So for the cost of retaining three or four students at one school, an additional literacy teacher could be hired to provide focused intervention lower class sizes, provide trauma-informed education practices, or some combination of these. Given the authority and resources, educators can eliminate grade retention. In the early 2000s, I was an administrator at a two-campus K-12 school. We ended grade retention in grades K-8 through simply by deciding that we were going to. We did this along with implementing flexible groupings and scheduling and using focused interventions. Even the teachers who believed that the threat of grade retention motivated students didn't miss it once it was gone. We simply created other operational systems to make grade retention unnecessary. Different schools would have to do different things based on their own contexts, but educators can solve problems affecting their students better than almost any state legislator. Of course, that leads to another question for another day. If certain elected officials actually allowed teachers to solve problems, could those same legislators continue to complain about public education or threaten to dismantle public schools? The Thoughtful Teacher Podcast is brought to you as a service of OnCourse Education Solutions. If you would like to learn more about how we help schools and youth organizations embed social-emotional learning within their cultures and implement strength-based restorative interventions, please visit our website, www.oncoursesolutions.com.
www.thefall2022.net. This has been Episode 11 of the Fall 2022 Season. If you enjoy this podcast, please tell your friends and colleagues about it, either in person or using social media. We also greatly appreciate positive reviews on the podcast app you use. The Thoughtful Teacher Podcast is hosted and produced by R. Scott Lee, who retains copyright. We encourage diverse opinions, however opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of producer, partners, or underwriters. On episodes with guests, guests are never compensated for appearance, nor do guests pay to appear. Transcripts are available following podcast publication at our website, thoughtfulteacherpodcast.com. Sponsorship opportunities or other inquiries may be made on the Contact Us page at our website, thoughtfulteacherpodcast.com. Please follow me on social media. My handle is at Dr. R. Scott Lee on both Instagram and Twitter. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.